Well, I finally came across, finally came across a national survey filled with good news from the pews. It's hard to find nowadays. Well, let me share the headline with you. It's from Christianity Today. It just came out this week. Nine in ten evangelicals don't think sermons are too long. (laughs) I've been waiting for that one. This study also confirmed what I know to be true among the people of Edgewood. They'd like to see more in-depth teaching and they aren't bothered by too many messages about giving. Well, last weekend, we took an in-depth look at what God says about his creative wonder in the womb. And we declared this truth, because everyone is made in the image of God, everyone is important to God. 49 years ago, Today, in 1973, the Supreme Court ruled in Roe v. Wade to legalize abortion. And we've been making the point that it's time for the reborn to stand up for the pre-born. We also spent time last weekend praying about the situation at an elementary school in our community, and we were reminded how Satan and his demons target children. And I mentioned that one of the best ways to respond is to support and serve with gospel-centered groups that are ministering in our schools, like Good News Clubs, like Quest in Davenport, like Young Life, and like Fellowship of Christian Athletes in our high schools. Well, there's another way to make a difference in the lives of children, and that's to partner with Youth Hope. Youth Hope is one of our Go Team partners, and for more than 85 years, Youth Hope has been bringing hope to youth through literacy programs, kids clubs, tutoring, and after-school programs. Each day, Youth Hope transports kids from Rock Island, Moline, and East Moline They have a creative arts program. They offer life-changing weeks at Camp Summit in the summer. In addition, they have a food pantry and a children's book room. Now, let me share something. So we shared some bad news about what's going on in the schools. Let me share this. I talked to Mark Drake this week. There's a school in East Moline that has reached out to Youth Hope, and they said, we have a number of boys that need some help learning about respect. Could we bring them to Youth Hope? And could you find some men who will spend four times with them once a month on a Monday, it's during the lunch hour from 12 to 1 o'clock, to teach them about respect? And I said, Mark, I would be happy to let the people at Edgewood know that to see if some of us men would like to step up to do that. So far... 11 men have stepped up, and I wonder, men, would you consider shining the light of Christ in this way? So it's one hour, once a month, all the way through May on Mondays. Well, we're continuing in our on-mission study from the book of Acts, and Lord willing, we'll finish this action-packed book the weekend before Easter. We'll pick up the pace a bit, and we're going to trace Paul's final journey to Jerusalem and then to Rome, where he is sent as a prisoner. The book of Acts has no rivals as it spans so many different lands, focuses on the Holy Spirit, celebrates the rise of the multi-ethnic church. Acts helps us know how to act as Christ followers. How to live on mission by making disciples of our nations, of the nations and our neighbors, all for the glory of God. Please open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 21. We're going to learn this truth together, that if you want to know God's will, do the will of God that you already know. This chapter gives us three ways to live out the will of God. Number one, do what God wants you to do. Listen, even if it's hard. 
Well, let's set the context. We're joining Paul on his third missionary journey. He's had a tearful goodbye with the Ephesians, Ephesian elders, and he's now continuing his trip to Jerusalem. Look at Acts chapter 21, verse 1. And when we had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera. The phrase, when we had parted from them, can be translated this way. When we had torn ourselves away from them. That same word was used of Jesus leaving the disciples in Gethsemane. Well, let's look at a map to get our bearings, and I'm going to try out something here is a a pointer. So Paul has been in this area right here in Ephesus. He's just said goodbye to the leadership at the church at Ephesus, and now he goes by ship down to this little area called Kos, and then he goes to Rhodes, and now he's at Patera. So that's where we are now in his journey. Paul has just said goodbye. Isn't it hard to say goodbye to people you love? We've been on both sides of that as a family. See, listen, when you're determined to do God's will, it's hard. I'll never forget when we left, we had three girls at the time. We moved to Mexico City, Mexico. Our youngest at the time, Becca, was like three. And we left our family. And those goodbyes were, man, they were terrible. Everybody's crying. My family didn't really miss Beth and I, but they missed our daughters. (laughs) Well, fast forward, we were on the other side of that when we took our daughter Emily to the airport, and she went and served in the Dominican Republic for two years. Another painful parting for us is we served in central Illinois at a church that we loved. We were there for 14 years. That was painful to leave that. A little bit of a picture then of how Paul leaves his heart at these different places as he heads to Jerusalem. Let's pick up the next leg of the journey, now verses 2 and 3. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and we set sail. When we had come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to upload, unload its cargo. So after taking a larger vessel for a longer voyage, they finally arrived at Tyre on the coast of Israel. Let's look at the map again. So Paul now is describing leaving this area, and he says, we went to the left of Cyprus. By the way, you know you can trust the Bible. The Bible's true. Paul said, we went to the left of this island right here. Very specific. The left of this island, and then he heads here to this area called Phoenicia. The bigger area is called Syria, and more specifically, he lands in the city of Tyre. We know from Acts eleven nineteen there are followers of Christ in that region because when persecution broke out, believers scattered. We read there they were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen and they traveled as far as Phoenicia. Here's what I want you to see. Would you notice how important it was for Paul to be with God's people? Even though he didn't have much time, He was no doubt tired from the journey. He went out of his way to find fellowship. Oh, I want you to see it with your own eyes. Look at verse 4. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. That word sought is emphatic. It means to find by diligent seeking. That same word was used of the shepherds who went to find a baby wrapped in cloths. They went with haste, Luke 2.16 says, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Paul, who no doubt was tired, would have been easy to just chill after that voyage. He sought out believers He ached and longed for fellowship. He couldn't wait to gather with God's people. 
I jotted down three thoughts. Number one, if you unplug from church, it's highly likely that you'll unravel. Secondly, if you're not able to gather in person, and there's many gathering online right now, if you're not able to gather in person, stay connected by engaging online until you can gather again with God's people. Third thing I wrote down is this. The danger of missing church is that soon you won't miss it. Now, some of you are in the process of searching for a church and, and you ache to hear God's word and gather with God's people and we pray in your search that you'll find a church where you'll be able to hear the life-changing message of the gospel. I talked to two couples just this week who told me they found what they're looking for at Edgewood, and I pray that we would be a destination for many in their search for a gospel-centered, scripture-saturated church so together we can reach even more disciples who intentionally make disciples for the glory of God. Now, Edgewood is not the only gospel-preaching church. There are many, it's my prayer, that you would find one and plug in. Paul Washer gives some good advice in this regard. Check this out. Don't look for the nearest church to your house. Find the church closest to the Bible. Oh, that's good. Friends, you have observed what's happening in our culture, haven't you? Buckle up, it's going to get worse. And if you try to live the Christian life in isolation long term, now I know what happens, we get sick and we have to unplug. I understand all that. That's, these last two years have been hard. But listen, I'm giving a warning. It will become increasingly difficult for us to live out our biblical convictions if we're not connected to other Christians and hearing the Word of God preached on a regular basis. Are you with me, church? Yeah, you guys are like, yeah, that's why we're here, right? You get it. Listen to Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. You might want to jot this down. It's a phenomenal passage. Take care, brothers. Listen to the tenderness. Lest there be in, he's writing to believers, any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. And then notice what he says next. But exhort one another. How often? Okay, so you need to be with believers in order to do that. Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. And then we're told why. Check this, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Friends, if you want to know God's will, do the will of God that you already know. And brothers and sisters in Christ, let's do what God wants us to do, even if it's hard. That leads to the next insight about doing the will of God. Number two, stay steady even when others don't understand. Now we see Paul's connection with people in verses 5 and 6. We see it again when everyone came out on the beach to say farewell to him. Uh, notice there, when our days there were ended, we departed, we went on our journey, and they all with wives and children accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed. And we said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship and they returned Home. It's a good reminder, isn't it, to pray whenever and wherever you are. Just this week, I prayed with several people on the phone and others in person. So here's an idea. Instead of saying to someone like, oh, dude, you're going through a lot of stuff, I'll pray for you. Pray right then. Whether you're on the phone or you send them a text and you type and you text out a prayer to somebody. Verse 7, again, we see how Paul sought out believers. This was his practice. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemais, 
and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day, for one day. In verse 8, Paul arrived in Caesarea and stayed with Philip and his four daughters. Let's turn to the map again. Uh, So he starts up here, goes to the left of Cyprus, lands in Tyre. Here's Jerusalem down here. Here's where he's headed. He goes from Tyre down to Ptolemais and then to Caesarea. Caesarea is like the port for Jerusalem, and that's where this next section takes place. As good as it is to be with other believers. Have you ever noticed there are differences of opinion among us? Have you ever noticed that? People have different views than you. Well, what do we do with that? And sometimes these opinions can come across a bit forceful. Almost like divine directives. Well, Paul was faced with that. The prophet Agabus tried to dissuade him from going to Jerusalem. He even spiritualized his opinion. That would never happen today, would it? Well, I'm in verse 11, and coming to us, this is Agabus, he took Paul's belt, so he took Paul's belt off. It was like a belt that went around, probably wrapped around a couple times around his robe. He took Paul's belt off, and then, notice what it says, he bound his own feet and his hands And he said to Paul, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Well, emboldened by what that guy said, now many other believers pile on Paul and they strongly urged him to not go to Jerusalem. Look at verse 12. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. This group included Luke. We know Luke wrote the book of Acts. How do we know that included Luke? Well, would you notice the use of the word we? When we, this is Luke writing, heard this, we and the people there urged him, Paul, not to go up to Jerusalem. The tense means they kept on telling Paul, Paul, don't go, don't go. Now, I'll give you this. This is challenging to interpret. Commentators disagree on the meaning. Some suggest Paul was in the wrong for going to Jerusalem. I don't think so. If you go back to Acts chapter 20, just turn back one chapter, verse 22. This is Paul speaking, and now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. In Acts 23.1, Paul said, I've lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. Let me offer a couple cautions today. I caution you about listening to people who say something like this. The Spirit told me to tell you. You laugh, but There's some of that that happens here in our community. Or, I have a word from the Lord for you. Listen, if they're not giving chapter and verse, because that's the word of the Lord, be very cautious. There's strange stuff out there in the spiritual world. I almost don't want to tell you what I saw this week, but some of you probably saw it. I saw a clip from a preacher that was so gross and disturbing, I could barely watch it. This is a pastor. He's a very popular pastor. He ministers in Tulsa. He's all over TV. He wears designer clothing and tennis shoes worth, I don't want to say they're worth hundreds of dollars, that's how much they're sold for. He's in his sermon last Sunday and he's talking about crazy faith. So he takes his hand and he coughs in his hand and he brings up, this is the gross part, I don't, even, I don't really even want to talk about this, so, but, but this is what happened. 
he like brings stuff up as he's coughing. It's now in his hand. He calls somebody up on the stage and he wipes it on his hand. And then he says, this shows how crazy faith is. And the people are clapping. Friends, listen, be discerning. Not everything you see and everything you hear is from the Lord, even though many people claim it is. And we wonder why unbelievers are turned off by Christianity. In verse 13, we see how Paul stayed steady even when others didn't understand him. Paul's like, I got to go to Jerusalem. Everyone else is like, don't go. The Lord said, you shouldn't go, Paul. And Paul's like, I'm going. Look at verse 13. Then Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. He loves these people. He's like, what's up? And notice what he says. For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul saw suffering as a privilege and not as a problem. His determination reminds us of Luke 9.51. We read these words about Jesus. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. Most of us don't live that way. A couple months ago, we were visiting our family out in Virginia, and I went out for a run early in the morning. It was kind of cold out there. Virginia gets some bad weather, and I'm not a very fast runner, so I'm, I'm just out running, and I'm running kind of on a busy street, but it was early in the morning, so there wasn't a lot of traffic. I'm all bundled up. I don't really know where I'm going. I'm just trudging along, not going very fast. I think I'm listening to a sermon in my ear pods, and, uh, and I'm running along, and I look when I'm running... The older I get, I fall now when I run, so I really am, I'm really careful. I don't want to have shoulder surgery again, so I'm really careful where I'm running, so I often am looking down to see where I'm going. And as I'm running, I look down, I see a check down on the ground. And I pick it up, and on the left, in the left top left tells you where it's from. It's from Dunkin' Donuts. And then it has, it's typed, and I can tell it's a payroll check, or an employee of Dunkin' Donuts. And so I see the guy's name, and remember, I'm running. I don't even really know where I am. I'm a couple miles from Lydia's house. So I, pick, I look at the check, and I'm like, how am I going to get this to this guy? And I thought, well, when I get back from the run, I'll just Google his name. I'll look on Facebook. Hopefully I can find him. And then I turn the check over, and it had been endorsed. And I'm like, oh, this is real money right here. And it was a sizable check. So I'm looking around, I'm still trying to run, and I look and I see a Dunkin' Donuts. So I thought, well, I'm going to go in and give them this check. So have you ever gone into a place and you ask someone to speak with the manager? (laughs) Most managers don't like that question. So the manager comes up and she's got a look on her face like I'm going to complain. She's probably looking like that because how, how I was dressed that morning. But I came in, I had the check in my hand, and I said, hey, I found this check outside. And at that point, she kind of held it up and kind of smiled. And all the other employees start laughing now because this is one of their fellow employees who lost his paycheck. She looks at it and she says, thank you so much. Would you like a cup of coffee? And I'm thinking, I'm out for a run. I don't want a cup of coffee. So I'm looking at the donuts and I'm like... (laughs) I'm just like staring at the donut. She never offered me one. So I said, no thanks on the coffee, and I left. But as I left, a couple thoughts went through my mind. Here's the, the big one. That check was signed. It was endorsed. Let me ask, let me put it in terms of a question. Have you ever signed a blank check to God? And said, God, whatever you want, wherever you want me, I'm yours. Have you ever done that? Just kind of sign your life over to him? 
That's what the Apostle Paul had done. He knew that God was calling him to go to Jerusalem and nothing was going to stop him. He was giving God full permission to do whatever he wanted in his life. He, as it were, endorsed God's work. God, whatever you have, my name's signed to it and I'm surrendered to you. See, listen, if if you want to know God's will for your life, make sure, number one, you're saved because God's will is for you to be saved. And secondly, that you've surrendered your life to him. Paul was committed to do the will of God no matter what it cost him. Now, after hearing Paul's passion to follow God's will, no matter how hard it is, verse 14 tells us how the other believers responded. I love this. It's like they just, they kind of gave up at this point. Look at verse 14. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and we said, let the will of the Lord be done. (laughs) I love that. We could say it this way. We could say it like this. God's will will be done. It's a good reminder for all of us because ultimately what we want is what God wants, right? Not always, right? So let me ask it again. Ultimately, that's what we want, right? For God's will to be done. I try to keep that in mind when I give counsel or advice to someone. Whether I'm right or not, I want God's will to be done. And I fully recognize I could be wrong, I could misread a situation. Even if I'm right, it's important to leave it in God's hands and let His will be done. You see, these friends of Paul, spiritually minded people, got to the point when they're like, all right, we've spoken what we think, but we want God's will to be done. And they turned, they turned that over to him. They asked God to do his will in his way, in his timing, according to his plan and purposes for our good and for his glory. Friends, I got to tell you this, there's great release in that, right? Because some of us get all messed up on boundary issues. You know, we, we just keep going into someone's world, but there's, there's great release to say what we think needs to be said and then say, Lord, it's yours. You take it. You do it for your will. Do it in your way and in your Time. Friend, listen, if you want to know God's will, do the will of God. You already know. Here's what we've learned so far. Do what God wants you to do, even if it's hard. Number two, stay steady even when others don't understand. Number three, recount what God has done and give him glory. When Paul finally arrived in Jerusalem, He and his team stayed with a fellow follower of Christ, showing again how Paul went out of his way, he did it again, to find fellowship. I'm in verses 15 and 16. After these days, we got ready, and we went up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Manasseh of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should Lodge. Well, let me just point something out. These early believers are called disciples. They're disciples because that word means learner, follower. Here's how we define a disciple at Edgewood. Someone who lovingly follows Jesus and intentionally helps others follow him. So as your brother and one of your pastors, I implore you this year, to become more intentional in your discipleship. You could fill out a next steps card, talk to Pastor Tim, Pastor Kyle. There's also a sign-up sheet in the South Lobby. Interestingly, Manasseh is called an early disciple. 
I like what the King James refers to him as. They call him, an, King James says he's an old disciple. I guess I'd rather be called an early disciple than an ancient one, right? But he, here's what I thought. This senior saint opened his home to a bunch of overnight guests who probably hadn't called ahead. And I reflected on that. I don't want to grow colder as I grow older. I don't want to get crabby. I don't want to get grumpy. I don't want to get all judgy toward the younger generation. God, give me joy and help me celebrate what you're doing in the next generation. And God, help me to give up my preferences for the sake of of the gospel. I think about this. Our deacon team meets every two weeks and we meet down in the lower level. Well, right under here is the student center and we're in a room right next to the student worship band while they're practicing loudly. And it is such a joy to serve with these men who listen to the music and smile. Because these teenagers are living for Christ and they take their role so seriously that they meet Tuesday nights to get the music just right so that they can lead their peers in worship on Wednesday night. There have been times where we've stopped in our meetings and prayed for the students. So I don't, I don't want to get like hardening of the categories as I get older. Nor do I want to be like Solomon in his old age when it was said of him that his heart was not wholly devoted. There's a period of time in Solomon's life he just went on cruise. And we read, he started marrying all these women, he had all these mistresses, and they turned his heart astray. Listen. Some of us are getting older. <laughs> oh, actually, you're all getting older. <laughs> Let me say this. Stay strong and courageous and live out your faith with joy so you don't bail on your commitment to Christ and to his church as you get older and you're going to have to fight it. So when the traveling team arrived in Jerusalem, verse 17 says, the brothers received us gladly. After all this time, they were thrilled to reconnect with these traveling missionaries. Man, we do well to be excited whenever we reconnect with fellow Christ followers. One of my favorite things is to witness how Christ followers greet one another. I try to go to Second Winders each. It meets twice a month on Thursdays and Man, there's so much joy and laughter and people are greeting one another when they come in and when they sit down together. It happens here when people come into the facility and they're looking for someone they haven't seen for a while or meeting somebody brand new. I especially see it these past two years when someone who hasn't felt comfortable coming finally is able to come. And they see people they haven't seen in months. Verse 18 says, Paul went in with us to James and all the elders were present. James is the pastor at the church at Jerusalem. He is the half-brother of Jesus. The elders were the spiritual leaders. Now look at verse 19. After greeting them, he, Paul, related one by one the things God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. No, Paul isn't like, hey, this is what I did. No, he related one by one, which is the idea of listing them. He just doesn't want to leave anything out. He wants to make it Clear. It's similar to the word exegete, which refers to making something clear. It means to unfold, to narrate, to rehearse, and to recount. 
It was a regular practice for God's people to rehearse and recount all that God had done. Let me just share three verses. We've been over these already, Acts 14, 27. When they arrived and gathered the church together, what'd they do? They declared all that God had done with them. Acts 15, 4, when they came to Jerusalem the first time, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders. And what'd they do? They declared all that God had done with them. Acts 15, 12, and all the assembly fell silent. They listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. There's this this sense of celebration among the church, this sense of awe about what God has been doing. Paul celebrates two main things with them. Number one, God had moved Gentile Christians who lived hundreds of miles away to take up this large offering for Jewish background believers who were going through a famine. That's one reason Paul was so determined to go to Jerusalem. Because Gentile background believers heard of Jewish background believers in Jesus who were going through a hard time, and they gave. So Paul's arriving with this money. We learn about that, Romans 15, 25 and 27. At present, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia, that's where like Philippi was, is, have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. I'm sure you've experienced the joy of giving. When you give, and you're like, oh, that's such a joy. And Paul couldn't wait to present this huge offering to the church at Jerusalem. The second thing is God moved in incredible ways in response to the preaching of the gospel. People were being saved and set apart for service. Oh, would you look next at verse 20 in Acts chapter 21? Because God did it all. God must get all the glory. Oh, it's right there. I love this. So Paul relates one by one what God had done, verse 20. When they heard it, they what? They glorified God. They just gave glory to God for what he had done. Friends, let's make it a regular practice. Celebrate what God has done in the past. Don't forget his past faithfulness, what he's doing right now, and what he will do in the future. So if you want to know God's will, do the will of God. You already know. One of the privileges of being one of your pastors is I get to hear what God is doing in the lives of God's people. And as a church family, I want to make sure that you're aware of some of these things as well. In fact, one of my favorite ways to lead is by celebrating what God is already doing. I like what Henry Blackaby says, instead of just asking God to bless us in what we're doing, find out where God is at work and join him there. Oh, that's good. Some of us are like, bless me, bless me. Here's what I want to do. Bless this. Here's what I want to do. This is so much better. God, where are you working? And how can I join you in that? How can I partner with you in that? So I want to take some time now to give God the glory for the great things that he is doing here at Edgewood. And for the sake of time, I'm going to focus on just a few areas of ministry knowing that there are many other ways God is working. I just saw that right before the service in our Life Center. The Celebrate Recovery leaders were having a meeting. There's like 20 of them in there getting trained. So we're going to celebrate, and then I'm going to share some ways we believe that God is calling us to recalibrate this year. We're going to share more details at our annual meeting on February 6th, but I thought it would be good for our souls to do some of that now. But first, I have some sad news for us, good news for her. Uh, Sheila Mills has been our office administrator for over 15 years. She's a committed follower of Christ. She has faithfully served us well, 
and she'll be retiring at the end of February. I think if we took a vote on that retirement, we'd vote no, right? (laughs) She's done a phenomenal job, but we're happy for her and Marty. Her steadiness, her joy, and her hard work will be missed by each of us. And we're going to honor her with a reception at the end of the annual meeting. And congratulations are due to Marie Guyton, who will be promoted to office administrator. And Pastor Andy will be leading a search for a new office assistant who will be working 30 hours a week to take Marie's role. I'm also humbled by what God has been doing for his glory through the generous giving of the members and friends of Edgewood this past year. It's stunning. In the middle of COVID, we're going to share more, but I'm just going to I just want to mention two highlights. There's so much more. First of all, thanks to the faithful giving of God's people, this last year we were able to add missionaries, complete several projects, and we finished in the black this past year. Amazingly, here's the second one. An extra, extra, $446,000 was given to pay down the principal on our facility loan. Friends, that's nearly half a million dollars that came in. That's over and above regular giving all to God's glory. And that will result in significant savings in interest. Oh, there's a lot more. I invite you on the 6th to hear that. What a joy to be using our expanded and repurposed facility these uh, past couple years now. Our Grow Time initiative focused on three main areas as we look for ways to maximize our facility for greater kingdom impact. If you're new here, this is where we focused. We focused on this space, our worship center, our children and youth areas, and expanding our connection space. We focused on making sure we had the physical space to accomplish our mission. And it's always been a part of our plan as we grow to expand some of our staffing in these areas. So let me start by celebrating what God is doing in our worship and tech ministry. We ask our guests what they notice first during their visit. And they respond, and we get get their response by email. This week, one couple replied this way. I love hearing what guests say about Edgewood. Quote, friendly faces, always someone at the doors greeting you. The church is very modern, up-to-date, and beautiful. We love the projector screens up front. Helps with engagement and learning the words of songs. The use of technology is so helpful. We've watched several times on YouTube when we were unable to attend. So as God is worshipped corporately each weekend, we regularly hear of people getting saved, baptized, and living on mission. And we're so grateful for how the tools of technology enable us to focus on what God is doing all for his glory. And I'm so glad in the early stages of our planning and design that Pastor Chad had the foresight to make sure that we uh, installed the technology to provide live streaming. We didn't know we were going to need it so quickly. And as our part-time technical coordinator, Dave Bennett, has providing all the tech support for live streaming and he produced the programs for Cozy TV for 22 months. And while we're pleased that so many have come back to in-person worship, we estimate we still have approximately 300 people still connecting with our services remotely. That's either through YouTube, our website, Facebook Live, or through the mobile app. I met with another couple this past week and discovered they've been engaging online for about a year, and they've now decided to make Edgewood their home. They love the mobile app. They keep informed through our EE newsletter. So more and more, we're hearing from people who are being connected to the ministry of Edgewood through the tools of technology. 
So as we move into this next season of ministry, we're proposing to change Dave's position from technical coordinator to technical director and increase his time from 24 hours a week to 40 hours a week. This will allow Dave to not only support our weekend worship ministry, but to take a ministry-wide focus by supporting the technical needs in four different venues used by Awana, Celebrate Recovery, Second Winders, Student Ministry, Children's Ministry, and here for our weekend services. This will allow Dave to give more focused attention to recruiting, training, and scheduling our tech teams, along with posting content on our website and our mobile app. In addition, this will allow Dave to oversee our on-mission program on Moody Radio, provide technical support for funerals and weddings, work on platform design, project, uh, project management, maintenance of our systems, and provide support for conferences like our Legacy Grandparenting Summit as he oversees CD duplication and distribution. Next area I want to celebrate is what's going on in our student ministry. It's hard to believe Pastor Kyle and Liesl have been at Edgewood for over five years now. And when we hired Pastor Kyle, we asked him to lead three different ministries, junior high, high school, and young adults. And we told him we would work to provide additional staff as God brought growth. And Pastor Kyle's been doing a masterful job. Well, growth has certainly been happening. And we give God the glory and celebrate what he's doing. Even with all the challenges these past two years, all three ministries have increased in numbers. Do you know this past fall, our youth group averaged 65 students every Wednesday night? And I don't want to just talk about numbers. These ministries are growing in depth. As students and young adults are praying for revival, they're participating in fasting, they're responding to God's call to become missionaries. In fact, at the recent cross-conference, seven young adults indicated they want to begin the process of exploring cross-cultural ministry. And one way we want to recalibrate for greater impact is by seeking to hire a part-time youth assistant who will come alongside Pastor Kyle to help with teaching, shepherding, scheduling, equipping, connecting, and communicating with parents and students. The youth assistant will partner with Pastor Kyle to plan retreats, camps, conferences, and mission trips, and he'll leverage social media to connect and communicate with the younger generation. Pastor Kyle's going to continue to be our youth pastor. He'll oversee and be involved with the student ministry, but having a youth assistant will allow him to focus more intentionally on Mainspring, our young adults ministry, our intentional discipleship ministry, and missions for youth and young adults. Well, there's one other area that I want to celebrate, and man, I, there's so many more, but one more. I want to celebrate what God has been doing for his glory in our children's ministry. Oh, my. Under the leadership of, our, of super servant <laughs> Sheila Kershak, Awana has seen incredible growth this past year. Let me just pick one area of Awana. Our Sparks ministry has 65 kids coming. In December, we also had our largest children's choir to date with 30 beginners and 35 elementary children. I like what Sheila said in response to all the growth. Here's what Sheila said. It's a sign of a healthy church to see so many little people. <laughs> and Susie Crosby, oh my, what a sweet, faithful woman she is. She has served as our nursery coordinator for many years, and she's indicated that she'd like to transition from serving in that role. And so we were thinking about that position, and in response to the increasing needs and opportunities in the nursery, preschool, and early childhood, uh, we'd like to change that job title to early childhood coordinator and expand that position to 20 hours a week. Now, this individual will focus on recruiting and training servants, overseeing curriculum development, strategically connecting with parents, helping oversee Awana, partnering with Sheila in our summer ministry to children. 
Well, hopefully that just whet your appetite some. We'll explain more about these uh, positions at the annual meeting on February 6th, where our members will have the opportunity to vote on these proposals. You know, it's humbling to realize God has been doing his work for his glory through the people of Edgewood for over 117 years. And we want to end our service today by celebrating God's work in each of our lives. And then we're going to sing a hymn together called Blessed Assurance. And so I'm going to invite you to stand. And as you stand, let me lead us in prayer as uh, we prepare to sing and to declare by testimony the assurance that God has given to us in Christ. God, we thank you for your work in each of our lives. We're all in process, and Lord, thank you that you uh, do your work by your Spirit in conforming us to the image of your Son, changing us from the inside out, growing within us the fruit of the Spirit, that we would demonstrate love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Lord, you've assembled us here. Lord, we are gathered today under your leadership, under your lordship. Lord, you've taught us from your word now about your will. Help us to be tenacious in following you no matter how hard it is. And now we offer this song to you in an act of worship, but also as we sing the words, Lord, may you take the words we sing, make them real in our lives, that we might live with the blessed assurance that you will never leave us or forsake us, that we would live with the certainty that you are still doing your work for your glory in each of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's